You are listening to the Two Writers Walk Into a Bar podcast. In every episode, our goal is to help inspire and celebrate authors' journey to publication by reading and critiquing query letters and tackle a writing topic we hope you find helpful. Hey guys, welcome back to Two Writers in a Bar. Um, Ken is feeling better today. Yay. <laughs> uh, like, but you're uh, dealing with some allergies. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It, yeah. Get rid of the cold, get the allergies. It is what yes. it is. Well, at least, yeah, but you're feeling better and that's good. So guys, yeah. I just wanted to um, ask you um, if you're listening, if you're a regular listener, make sure you give us a follow on our podcast. And if you feel like giving us a review or a five-star rating, that would be great too. Um, anything that can help sort of boost us on our podcast platforms, we're on Spotify and iTunes, obviously. So if you guys can just, especially if we have queried your letters, um, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, that would be fantastic. So um, anyway, so today we, we do have a query today, and this is actually part two of our um, Stephen King on Stephen King's book on writing. So we're we last week we kind of we were all kind of running late and we didn't get to finish going over the book, so we're going to do that today. But first, we have a query letter. We have a query letter tonight that nice. we're going to read. Um, and we can uh, hopefully we can help out this writer. So I'm going to get to it. All right. Um, so her name is uh, Jessica K. And Jessica says that you can find her on her website, which is www.jessicak.net. So um, check out her website, check out her stories. And hopefully if you're listening to her, um, her query, you might be interested in following, um, following along on her journey. Okay. All right, so here we go. <clears throat> um, with her trusty compass, two maps, and a questing permit, Daxia is setting out on the adventure she's always dreamed of, despite never having left her hometown before. There's no time to wait, though, as her dying sister's only hope to live is hidden with the Maha Eyes, a mythical treasure on a faraway island. The journey beyond the wall to the coast includes miles of shifting desert roads, carnivorous birds the size of horses, a forest rife with murderous plants and bandits, and an ocean restless with storms. If only her deathbed promise to her mother hadn't saddled her with the gregarious Novak, her fool of a questing partner with a million jokes, he is certain to get them both killed. Then again, he does always seem to show up at the right time. But time is not on their side as they rush toward the treasure or possibly their doom. Redacted is a standalone YA fantasy novel with a strong romantic element, complete at 90,000 words. I am an artist and a correspondent for the local newspaper. I have previously published a YA secret agent novel with Redacted Publishing. Thank you for your time and consideration, Jessica K, www.jessicak.net. Um, okay, so Jessica sent in her query in her first two pages. So we're just going to um, go through the query real quick, and then I'll talk about the first, the first three pages. Um, so right off the bat, Jessica, your first sentence starts your query starts off with um with her trusty compass two maps and a questing permit daxia is waiting or setting out on the adventure she's always dreamed of despite never having left her hometown before this is um 
you kind of want to start your query with a hook. And this to me sounds like a book review. If someone's giving a book review, this would be how they would start their review. But you want to you want to give a hook um, right away um, to, to obviously hook that agent to get that agent to be like, oh, I want to read more. What is this? What you know, I want to know what happens. Um, so with that first sentence, I'm not getting um, I'm just not getting like a hook. Um, and Ken, he'll give his critique after Ken, if you disagree, that's fine. But, um, just, uh, I'm huh? getting back, I'm getting back cover blurb from that opening line right. to, to say. Yeah. Just like if it was like a one liner that maybe another author had read your book, maybe they would probably write that, but it's not something that's going to hook your agent. Um, so, um, I love that you opened up with that line, but I think it'd be better if you had some sort of a hook, something that'll just sort of grab them, uh, uh, your character about your character. The other thing I noticed was, um, your, des her desire is not real clear. Um, I, you say here that she has, she's setting on an adventure that she's always dreamed of, which is great. Um, and I feel like you could, if that's her desire, I'm feeling that's her desire, then I think what you need to do is connect that to the story because um, she's going on this journey because for her sister who's dying, but the story isn't about the sister. The story is about Daxia. And so we need to know what that arc is or at least have some sort of idea of what that arc is. And so by doing that, you're going to give that emotional wound, like why does she want to go on this adventure? Um, I think it's great that she has this reason that she gets to finally go to help her sister, but there has to be something that she is, is um, trying to, trying to accomplish because um, on your second uh, paragraph here, um, the journey beyond the wall to the coast includes miles of shifting um, desert roads, carnivorous birds, the size of horses, a forest rife with murderous plants and bandits, and an ocean restless with storms. Um, those are all great things that are like obviously th like obstacles that are thrown in her way to, I'm guessing that's to make it hard for her to find the, um, the Maha eyes. But yeah, I think... Building. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. And world building too. Sorry. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Agreed. But I think that you could go because um, you're. Um, you know what? I forgot to put. I forgot to count how many words. This is pretty short. Um, I mean, not short, but I mean it's pretty decent. You're in, like right in that sweet spot. Um, but I think you could um, add a little bit more. And I think that you could go into um, into the obstacles a little more clear, like the obstacle how it pertains to her arc we know that it's gonna it's gonna be hard for her to get to the treasure to save her sister because of these obstacles but there's also something else that's happening with her at the arc why these things are hard for her and i'm sure you have it in the story it's just not showing up in a query and that typically happens when we first write a query we just kind of forget that stuff um, and then um, the next paragraph is, if only her deathbed promise to her mother hadn't saddled her with the gregarious Novak, her fool of a questing partner with a million jokes. He is certain to get them both killed. Then again, he does always seem to show up at the right time. Um, I'm not sure if you need this. Um, he sounds like a really great character. 
Um, unless this is the character that she's going to fall in love with, because you do say that it's a strong romantic element. So maybe you could sort of hint that, you know, a little bit of their relationship just so they can, so the agent can see that, yes, this, this is a romance story because it's not reading like a romance story. To me, it's reading like something, um, like just a, a quest that they're going on this adventure together, but I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that strong romance that you're saying at the end. It sounds like he's just this goofy friend that she's stuck with who keeps getting them in trouble, but that doesn't sound like a romance to me. So if I'm wrong and he's not the romantic, the I mean, the romance, if it's not with him, um, I apologize, but maybe focus on, because, um, I mean, we know romance sells. So if it's if you want to if you want to focus on the fact that it's a romance novel, then you definitely want to kind of add that in and make it known that it's a romance novel. And that's pretty popular. Romance is really good seller. But I'm just not getting that with that um, with that paragraph. So I think maybe some tweaking about the character. If it is Novak, maybe tweak it in a different way as to um, you could uh, focus on a trope like a slow burn. Uh, you know, uh, uh, enemies to lovers, like, you know, which I'm kind of guessing that's what you're doing is enemies to lover. And that's a popular trope. It's fantastic. It's one of my favorites. So <laughs> maybe um, showcase a little bit of that too. Um, uh, the last thing, uh, time is on their side as they rush toward the treasure or possibly their doom. We know this already because her sister is dying. We know that time, she's running or rushing up against time, but you kind of want to, that the, um, the uh, let me grab my, my paper. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the stakes, you want to show the stakes and then you want to show the choice that she has to make and how that stake is going to affect her and being able to help her sister. So you got to figure out what that stake is. You probably already know it. It's just not showing up in the query. But right now, the only stake I'm getting is for her sister. But the story is about um, Daxia. So you kind of want to make that clear. We want to see or get a hint of that arc. Um, and it's just not there. Um, 90,000 words, I think, is perfect for a YA fantasy, a standalone YA fantasy. This is fantastic. Um, uh, the comps, I know that she, um, Jessica said in her email that she's having a hard time with comps. I tried to think of some comps for you. Um, but one of the easiest things, like if you can't think of a book that's really like, close to your story is what you could do is takes like pieces of it so like i thought that the relationship between the sisters could possibly be um similar to the the sister relationship in stephanie garber's caravel i don't know if you've read that story it's a great series a great book about two sisters um so you could say that you know fans of stephanie garber's Caraval or um, elements of the sister relationship from Stephanie Garber's, a sister relationship from Stephanie Garber's Caraval. And also um, there's another book that I thought of was the, um, um, it's, by Mar it's by Maggie Fuston, uh, Vampire Hearts and Other Dead Things, um, which is also a, a good comp. Um, if you don't know, her, her father is dying of cancer and they've always dreamed to meet a vampire and she goes off on an adventure to find one to 
to meet so her father can finally meet a vampire. So there's a couple comps there that I thought of. Um, but uh, I don't know if you have any other. Uh, I was trying to think. Um, I think that was about it. Uh, Ken, did you want to add anything? Um, just mainly the hook at the beginning. You definitely need a strong sentence or two that really grabs onto the agent at the beginning. You know, something about like what the stakes are, basically. You know, yes. it's hard to explain because there's a million different ways you can write a hook. I would suggest Googling that and looking at other successful queries. And that's a really good way to get an idea of how to write a good hook. Um, also, Daxia, I don't know anything about Daxia. I don't know what she does, where she lives, what world she lives. I know nothing about the character except for she likes to go on. She's going on her first adventure, you know? Yeah. I need to know if she's a farm girl. I need, we need to know what she is. Like, is she a city girl? Like, you, what is she bringing you know? to the adventure that she's yeah. about to go on? Is I, she like I, an I, expert archer? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, well, what is she? Yeah. I have no idea yeah. what this character is. Like, does she live in the big city? Is it, is there even cities that exist? You know what I mean? Like, it's really good to kind of dial in at the beginning. After your hook, it's good to put in something like, you know, ex-soldier or as a girl she'd be like the swim team captain if it's that kind of urban fantasy you know yeah just to kind of give you a, a, a peek i see a lot of voice in the query though and i think that's really cool yeah um, i see it and there's a lot of great verbiage and it's beautifully written i just think you need to just tighten up a little bit add a hook and let us know who daxia is and it should be good yeah, um, I, I'm i already uh, loving this query. I know we say that about all our queries, but you guys are amazing. You guys come up with these incredible stories. Um, so I I hope that this gets um, gets published someday because I would love to read it. Um, oh, yeah. So I, yeah. Um, so Jessica also sent uh, the first three pages of her manuscript. And I want to say that I love the beginning of the story. Um, so the, she starts off the story with um, Daxia puts out an ad because she needs a partner to go on this um, quest. And she, in this ad, she says that to meet her at like six o'clock in the city square by the fountain. And so, you know, she's kind of nervous and she gets to the fountain. There's all these men and they're all standing around. They're clapping each other on the back. They clearly know each other. They're excited about whatever this quest is. And I believe she purposely did not put what the quest was or that she was a girl because I think in this world it was something like that something that only men would do so when she goes when she gets down there and she's trying to get their attention no one's listening to her because they're like who's this girl like why is she talking to us and then finally yeah. she's like you know hello like you know and they're like um where's your father you know and she's like no this is um, to me i'm going this quest they kind of laugh at her and then they um ask her where are we going because she purposely leaves that out and she tells them and it ends with, um, are you serious? Um, that's impossible. So clearly we get an idea right away in those first three pages that um, this, uh, this journey adventure that she's about to go on um, is pretty serious and difficult for her. So we already have that sense that it's gonna be hard for her um, as we move forward. And I was already intrigued thinking, I would love to see how she's gonna 
um, go through this to help her sister. Like I'm already hooked by these first pages. Like literally I was like, the last sentence is it's impossible. And I'm like, I want more. (laughs) (laughs) So I think your first pages, Jessica are fantastic. Um, We get a clear idea of the character, which I, who I already love. um, And we get a good idea of, you know, I love that. First of all, I love that it's kind of like this whole Katniss and Prim relationship where she clearly has to go on this dangerous journey to save her sister. And I know Hunger Games is probably not a comp that you could use because it's older and it was like a whole thing of its own. It's too, it's an outlier, I believe what they call it. popular, yeah. Yeah, so, but I mean, you know, it's got that same kind of feel with the relationship between the sisters and I love that. So, I think, um, and we know this, you guys, if, uh, agents sometimes won't even read the first pages if you can't grab them by the query letter. That's why it's so important to get that query letter to just really be something so amazing that the agent is like, okay, I want to read this so that they can go on to the, whatever pages that you sent in. So I do feel like um, if we can get, if you can get that query letter cleaned up get it nice and precise of what the story is about and you have the things that add the things that we had talked about um i think you have a high chance with this this is fantastic (laughs) i mean i love it um i love it so um you guys give jessica or or check her out she's i don't think she's on any social media she doesn't have a social media presence yet go on her website www.jessicak that's k-a-y-e dot net check it out Check out what she's all about. And hopefully, Jessica, um, when you get agented, um, email us and give us that update. And we'll be more than happy to share that with our listeners because this is amazing. <laughs> and don't forget, writing a good query and writing a great novel are two different skill sets. Yes, it's yes. like a go-kart driver <laughs> champion and an F1 champion. They're, they're kind of the same thing, but they're really different. So Yes, agreed, Ken. So don't beat yourself up, Jessica. You've got Another all the skill. right... Yeah, you got all the right things there. It's just focusing on what you need to put in the query so that agent just can be like, I got to read those first few pages. I already know that you're probably going to get full requests because this this is like sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so definitely update us. So thank you, Jessica, for sending that to us and trusting us with your uh, with your baby. <laughs> so we like yeah, to call it. Sure. It's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy to send your work out to complete strangers, but we appreciate it and we thank you. So I hope that you, um, our critique was helpful for you. So good luck. Yes, good luck. Hey, writer friends. Querying is hard and putting together a query letter is even harder. We want to help. So send us your query letter and first three pages to two writers in a bar at gmail.com and we'll query on air. And don't forget to tell us where we can find you on social media so we can share it with all our listeners. We want to help, inspire, and celebrate with you on your writing journey. Now back to the show. <laughs> all right, Ken. So I forgot to mention that I'm having a beer tonight. What are you drinking? Uh, what am I drinking? Oh, <clears throat> the old classic okay. maker's Mark 46. Nice. With nice. a little Pepsi. Yeah. Oh, perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, in my Garfield mug. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love Garfield. Do you yeah, ever want to see the Garfield Halloween special? 
that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh my gosh, shut up! I have it on DVD and I watch it every year. I love it. Oh so yeah, funny. I watch it every year too. Oh yeah, Candy Candy Odie Candy is the candy. pirate. Oh, yeah. and the, and the, egg the crazy clown that kills me. He's so crazy. Oh my gosh, yeah. Binky, Binky the clown, whatever. Binky, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. All yeah, right, guys. So, um, Ken, how was your week for writing? What are you reading or listening to? What's going on? Uh, writing was awful and great. I had a couple bad days and I had a couple really good days. Okay. Uh, to, today I was able to edit two chapters of my first novel and then yeah. get about a thousand words on my new book. So okay. pretty productive day. Uh, right now I, I switched from the dark tower. I was taking like my 15th, if you can see the dark tower shirt, but nice. I was taking my 15th <laughs> journey to the dark tower or something like that. And I paused it because uh my libby app i got uh the lost metal uh by brandon sanderson oh okay um, it came into my libby and i've been waiting nice. for it for months oh nice so i'm doing the lost metal by brandon sanderson right oh now. nice I don't know if all that right comes yeah that's it does what I'm reading oh nice okay yeah i need to you? do that oh my god okay uh well you guys i had a shit week <laughs> um I think I had a bit of writer's block this week, and I've never experienced that since I started writing regularly since 2017. I was struggling. I've been struggling with the story. I tried to start a new story, but I just, it wasn't right. Uh, I wasn't feeling it. Um, so then I, today, so all week, so the last two weeks, how long has it been? Two weeks? I yeah. have been struggling with, and I've not written hardly anything until today. I finally just told myself, um, you know, stop being a baby and just fucking write. Like, just write. I, I have to do this to myself all the time. I know I've said it before, and you think that I would, like, get a clue, but um, yeah. it took me today to finally just be like, okay, I, you know, it is what it is. Like, I just, I gotta just write, and if it's shit, then I'll delete it, whatever. Uh, so I barely started writing today, and I think I got like 700 words. <laughs> nice. Better than um, nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's better than nothing. But I got to tell you, it's been really, really tough trying to figure this shit out. But um, I got I some just... under threat of peppermint schnapps. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, okay. So Ken texted me last week and was like, okay, was it, was, I forgot what day was it? Monday? Yeah, Monday. Uh, Probably, yeah. Labor Day. Uh, he's like, okay, listen, because we were both having a hard time writing, and he texts me and is like, uh, let's do, um, what did we say, a thousand words? If not, then yeah. you have to, I have to drink peppermint schnapps. And I was like, ew, no way, gross, yuck, yeah. I can smell it from here, I'm already puking. Oh. Um, <laughs> and it worked, I was able to get those words in, I think I was able, I was able to go to those, and I had, and I went to work, and then that was the last day that I had wrote. I couldn't yeah. write anything after that until today. Damn. So it was. It's, Don't feel yeah. bad. I didn't write for like four or five days after that either. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. So we're, <laughs> we're both at the same. <laughs> yeah. We're on the same wavelength here, buddy. We are. Uh, yeah. It's tough. I don't know. It's tough. I just um, honestly, I just kind of had a like breakdown this, this week that I was just like, why am I? Why is this taking so long? Like, yeah. you know, I'm so ready to be agented. I'm so ready to be published. I'm so ready to put in all that extra work. And I'm just like, and I know that's what kind of stunted my progress today oh, or yeah. this last couple of weeks, whatever. Sure. But anyway, um, so we're going to go back into um, Stephen King's on writing where we left off. 
Um, so where we left off the last time was uh, Stephen King has a he has a um, a little thing that he, that you can write in. Um, oh my god, my mind is blanking. A writing uh, situation where you can he gives us like a little story and then he's like you know write it, send it to stephenking.com and he'll read it. Um, yeah. But this book was written in like 2000, so or 2001, something like that. So, but we're we're I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna try it anyway, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where right. we left off. What is it? A and, quiz. A writing quiz or so it no, it's the exercise the writing exercise. Exercise, of, there you go. Yes, sorry. It's the writing exercise about the husband and wife. We had talked about it on the last um podcast. Yeah. And he but he wants us to sort of twist it. And um, so yeah, but anyway, he you know it says here like you can send it to him on stevenking.com. I haven't gone on the website yet to check to see where we do that. I don't even know if it's still a thing, but anyway, um if anything, I'll just write it. Maybe just not. I just won't send it. Or whatever. I mean, maybe we'll read it on <laughs> another <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> so where we left off was he it talks about description. Um, so I, you know, I wish that I would have recapped what we talked about last um, episode, but I know it was like um, plotting. I think it was like character um, development. I think I can't remember. Oh my God, it's terrible. But so. I'm going to read what he says about description, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. So he says, uh, description is what makes the reader uh, a sensory participant in the story. Good description is a learned skill. One of the prime reasons why you cannot succeed unless you read a lot and write a lot. It's not just a question of how to you see, it's also a question of how much to. Reading will help you answer how much and only reams of writing will help you with the how. You can learn only by doing, which we have talked about. We talked about last week because uh, Stephen King is really big on um, the only way to be a good writer is if you're reading and writing a lot. So it makes sense that he would um, he would say that. So one of the things, uh, so continuing with description, he says, um, thin description leaves the reader feeling bewildered and nearsighted. Over description buries him or her in details and images. The trick is to find a happy medium. It's also important to know what to describe and what can be left alone while you get on with your main job, which is telling a story. So you guys already know that I am a thin <laughs> description writer. <laughs> Ken is constantly telling me to uh, describe more. I'm leaving him left, I guess, just, I don't know, <laughs> not feeling anything, right? That's my problem. <laughs> but he's yeah. saying, you know, a happy medium, right? Not too little and not too much. Well, yeah, there's some writers like uh, Robert Jordan. I don't know if you've ever read The Wheel of Time or anything, but he describes everything like down to the buttons on the female characters' dresses to like, you're like, holy crap, dude, get over it. You <laughs> yeah, know? move on. I move love on. his writing. I love his writing, but <laughs> sometimes he just goes overboard, you know? So. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, I uh, read a book, I think, um, <laughs> what's, I forget what his name is, but he wrote the uh, Wicked books, Gregory Maguire. And yeah. I love those books, you guys. I, I have all the books and all the series I read and love them. But oh my gosh, he would just go on for pages and pages and pages of setting description. So much so that I was literally just like, how much more of this can I take? It was just so bogged down. Uh, with description that it was boring. I mean, dare I say, but it was, you know, it was like, yeah. hey, I wanted to get to the main plot, you know, the meat yeah. of the story. But yeah, um, so <laughs> I have a tendency to um, do too little description and I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> Thanks yeah. to Ken. I think Ken has helped me sort of, I can see now when I go back and edit my work, I can see now like where I need to, like I cannot hear Ken just like, but what else? <laughs> yeah. What else? <laughs> That's like, my ah. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I've said that before. Yeah. I appreciate it. But yeah. So what would you say? I think you're kind of like a happy medium. I think you've gotten better. I feel like description is my wheelhouse, you know? I know, <laughs> yeah. I know how to give you just enough to know where the characters are. And maybe even, you know, make you a little happy with some of my descriptions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's, description's not my weak point for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, you definitely have it down. I think that's one of the good things about working with you is because your strength is my weakness. Yeah. <laughs> and so it kind of, I feel like it balances out. But for he, sure. um, he gives a, an example here. I don't know if you want me to read it. It's a little, it's not lengthy, lengthy. It's a little lengthy, but I can go on and read. And he gives an example of why, uh, or like how to, kind of happy medium and then explains like why so um i can i can read that if you want sure yeah okay so he says here's a sample bit of narration which takes a character into palm two which is like i think a favorite restaurant of his um uh, so it says um the cab pulled up in front of palm two at quarter to four on a bright summer afternoon billy paid the driver stepped out onto the sidewalk and took a quick look around for martin not in sight Satisfied, Billy went inside. After the hot clarity of 2nd Avenue, Palm 2 was as dark as a cave. The back bar mirror picked up some of the street glare and glimmered in the gloom like a mirage. For a moment, it was all Billy could see, and then his eyes began to adjust. There were a few solitary drinkers at the bar. Beyond them, the maitre d', his tie undone, and his shirt cuffs rolled back to show his hairy wrists, was talking with the bartender. There was still sawdust sprinkled on the floor. Uh, um, Billy noted, as if this were a 20 speakeasy instead of a millennium eatery where you couldn't smoke, let alone spit a gob of tobacco between your feet. And the cartoons dancing across the walls, gossip column caricatures of downtown political hustlers, newsmen who had long since retired or drunk themselves to death, celebrities you couldn't quite recognize still um, gambled all the way to the ceiling. The air was uh, redolent of steak and fried onions, all of it the same as it ever was. The maitre d' stepped forward. Can I help you, sir? We don't open for dinner until six, but the bar, I'm looking for Richie Martin, Billy said. And then he goes on to say, Billy's arrival in the cab is narration action, if you like that word better. What follows after he steps through the door of the restaurant is pretty much straight description. I got in almost all of the details which first came to mind when I accessed my memories of the real Palm 2, and I added a few other things as well. The maitre d' between shifts is pretty good, I think. Um, I love the undone tie and the cuffs rolled up to expose the hairy wrists. It's like a photograph. The smell of fish is the only thing not here, and that's because the smell of the onions was stronger. 
We come back to actual storytelling with a bit of narration. The maitre d' steps forward to center stage and then the dialogue. By now, we see our location clearly. There are plenty of details I could have added. The narrowness of the room, uh, Tony Bennett on the sound system, the Yankees bumper sticker on the cash register. But what would be the point? When it comes to scene setting and all sorts of description, a meal is as good as a feast. We want to know if Billy has located Richie Martin. That's the story we paid our 24 bucks to read. More about the restaurant would slow the pace of that story, perhaps annoying us enough to break the spell uh, good fiction can weave. In many cases, when a reader puts a story aside because it got boring, the boredom arose because the writer grew enchanted with his powers of description and lost sight of his priority, which is to keep the ball rolling. So this is so true because that's exactly what happened to me while I was reading Wicked and Son of a Witch. And it was like, ah, yeah, it was too Some much. Of my earlier drafts, I did that also. Yeah. Where I wrote these beautiful flowing things, you know, that were pretty sweet. Like I thought they were really cool, but they were terrible for the story because they just it took slowed away it down, just really slows yeah. it down. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And yeah. he's right. We wanted to know if his friend Martin was there. What made you or how did you uh, figure out that you had too much description? Like, how did you know that maybe you were a little overboard on that? Critique partners, obviously a few tips mm -hmm. there. Um, I really like to take my work and put it in a text-to-speech thing. Oh, okay, and yeah. I, and I have the robot read it back to me. And after it's droning on for like <laughs> three minutes, I'm like, holy crap, I got to cut that. Like, this is way too much. And, you know, so oh, that's a bunch perfect. of different yeah. yeah, I I need to do that. I need to do that the, the narration thing. That's great. Yeah, there's a couple free ones that I use. So you can oh, just okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I mean, um, I usually, when I go back, I read it out loud and yep. same thing. If I'm reading like too little and I'm like, if I get confused, if I can't see it, when I go back and edit, then I know my reader can't see it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is typically when you tell me, uh, you need to add more stuff. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you if you're the opposite of me and maybe you're like um, you just really love. I mean, it's I mean, as a writer, we love to write beautiful sentences. Right. Uh, yes. Especially if we could show off our skills a little bit and just be like, you know, just, I mean, why not? Right. Like that's normal. That's a natural thing. But when it comes to storytelling, <laughs> um yeah. less is less is more <laughs> or maybe not less if, but if you can still have that beautiful but like cut it down to a few sentences yes. then you're in the good place that's where you yeah be. yeah and i think that's what he's kind of saying too because i mean even though he had those good descriptors of the bar we didn't get so lost it was almost like he was slowly showing the picture of the bar to us as we yes. were seeing it in our mind and then once we got that clear picture it was boom i'm waiting for whatever his friend's name was i remember martin or whatever yeah as soon as you deliver where the character is what's going on around him what he's all of his senses are picking up the smell the sound the feeling you can almost get the vibe you know the place you know the the, the people are talking like the murmurs in a place like that and the cutlery yeah. and the glass, mm -hmm. you know, this just from his description. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's like slowly bringing that picture to focus. And then once yeah. it's focused, then you go into, then you go. 
Yeah, which I which I love. And that's exactly how I I read it. Uh, when I was reading that, I was slowly seeing this picture yeah. sort of, you know, come to life. And then it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot he's looking for his friend. Yeah, let's find the friend. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was great. Uh, I thought that was a great example um, that he gave. I thought it was super helpful. Uh, what I didn't mention was before um, he gave this um, example, he talked about that bar and the things that he liked about it. And there were a lot of other details that he just was like, he just didn't add. Like he said, he just didn't add like the sticker the on the cash register. Like, why do yeah. we need that? We don't yeah. need that. It's not important. Does it really set the scene? It's just no. a sticker. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, um, and the and and again, it goes back to pacing, guys. Um, pacing is uh, it's that the flow of your story. In case you don't know, if you're a newer writer, if you're um, an expert writer, you can you're probably just like yeah, whatever. But if you're yeah. a newer writer, the pace is that flow of your story. You don't want to if you can, if you over describe, you're gonna you're gonna stop that story and the action and like basically come to a halt. And then your reader is just going to be like bored. They're going to be bored. You're going to lose your reader. So yeah. it's important to get that pacing. Like he says, find that happy medium of the pace so that you don't lose your reader. Because I, um, I, I am not, um, I don't DNF a book. <laughs> Yeah, I don't DNF a book. I don't know why. Um, I'm just one of those people that I can't DNF a book. I don't care how bad it is. I will just plug through. Um, I don't know why I do that, but wow. it's, I, I think it has a little bit more of like OCD. <laughs> I'm the king like, of DNF. <laughs> are you really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah I can't yeah. DNF a book. It will bug me and bug me and bug me because here's the thing that I do. Um, I have bookshelves. Uh, you can see my bookshelves, and I have bookshelves yeah. in my uh, in the in the family room. Yeah. Um, the only books that go on the shelf are the ones that I've read. So I, if I haven't read it, it does not go on the shelf. So then I have to stick it in a pile somewhere until I can read it, right? But my goal oh, is to get okay. it goes to my TBR pile. So my goal is like to get to through my TBR pile so I can shove it on the bookcase. And um, I won't tell you where, but I do have a spot of my bookcase of books that I didn't really care for or that yeah. maybe I was, you know, like didn't really care for. So they kind of, they all kind of get clumped together. <laughs> Is it the bottom shelf? Where you can't see them? <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not saying, okay. but right. so, it's oh, awesome. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. It, it makes sense in my mind, but that's why I can't DNF a book. But I know that people DNF a book, like, can you DNF her? I, you know, as writers, that's like, oh my gosh, that is like, that's to me, that's worse than death. <laughs> wow. I DNF I three not... books in the last two months. No, I'm saying as a writer, like, would you oh. want somebody to DNF your book? No, oh, no of course, of course not. not. But right. <clears throat> I, I'm okay with that if I, if I didn't do what I was supposed to do. That's cool. Right. No, I'm just saying that as writers, though, our goal is to obviously yes. not have people DNF. I mean, of yes, course, it's going to yes. happen, you know, whatever. But there's taste. You could be yes. a great writer. I, you could exactly. have all the ingredients and make a wonder, write a wonderful book. But yeah, preference. I was just going to say that, too. And it also depends, too. And we know it's, it's going to happen. But yeah. you definitely don't want, like, every person that started that oh, book. Oh, hell like, no. Yeah. So, and that's why, and that's why CB King is saying it's the pacing that that's going to mess it up. So get that pacing down, hopefully. If everybody like, DNFs, you done goof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're probably not going to be able to sell another book. It's going to be really hard for your publisher oh, to yeah. uh, sell another book. Yeah. All right. So moving on. <laughs> uh, he talks about um, similes and metaphors. 
which I uh, thought was kind of funny. He's like, um, okay, he says, uh, when a similar metaphor doesn't work, the results are sometimes funny and sometimes embarrassing. Recently, I read this sentence in a forthcoming novel I prefer not to name. And the sentence is, he sat stolidly beside the corpse, waiting for the medical examiner as patiently as a man waiting for a turkey sandwich. <laughs> if, and he says, if there is a clarifying connection here, I wasn't, I wasn't able to make it. I consequently close the book without reading further. If a writer knows what he or she is doing, I'll go along for the ride. If he or she doesn't, well, I'm in my 50s now and there are a lot of books out there. I don't have time to waste with the poorly written ones. <laughs> so, uh, which, I, you know, which, I mean, it makes sense, right? Uh, and then he goes on to say, um, his all-time favorite similes, by the way, come from the Harpo detective fiction of the 40s and 50s and the literary descendants of the dime dreadful writers. These favorites include, it was darker than a carload of assholes. <laughs> George B. Higgins, and <laughs> I lit yeah. a cigarette that tasted like a plumber's handkerchief. Raymond Chandler. <laughs> so yeah, that's a great one. So, <laughs> so we definitely know what type of uh, similes and metaphor Mr. King um, prefers, but he's not wrong. You know, no. one thing that I learned, um, or that not learned, I guess I picked up, whatever, um, your similes and metaphors should match the tone of the book. For so, sure. you know, it's like if if it's a murder mystery, then you kind of want to keep those similes that 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 kind of connect to that. Or if it's yeah. a fantasy, you want your similes to connect to that. So you don't want to have it so out there that there's no connection, like he was saying, where someone's reading it going, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, well, also, also tied to buying a turkey sandwich. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like how how do those two connect? Not really. You know, he probably could have used really. something better. Yeah, but sure. um, yeah, and then also obviously, and then that example too is so extreme. Like, why a turkey sandwich and a dead yeah. body in a turkey sandwich? Like, I don't know. Unless it's a gore book, but it doesn't sound like it's gore, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. but even still, I, I feel like like I mean. It's all down to taste, I guess, too. Like, that would be bad taste. Whatever, because, but. I mean, I guess technically that could work, you know, because, you know, it's showing that he's reacting to the dead body. In a and he's thinking about a sandwich. Way, like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Because but... remember that you're writing as your character, so he's thinking about a turkey sandwich. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, you got to eat, right? You got to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Ken. <laughs> Yeah, I don't either. I'm yeah, trying. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's right. I think he's right when um, yeah. he's like, yeah, you know, he <laughs> just closed the book. So I don't know, yeah. but I think I would be pretty devastated if I wrote that knowing that was my book that Stephen King didn't finish. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. no, <laughs> I can't like, fix it. Shit. Yeah. I mean, no. can you imagine? Oh, my God, that's terrible. I, I can only imagine he gets sent a ton of books, but um, oh, yeah. yeah. But then to have him write that in his book on writing, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I came across that, I think I would cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, For my sure. gosh. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> wild. I don't know, but that was pretty good. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, and then he, uh, so um, dialogue. So um, I kind of wrote my, I wrote my um, notes here. Sorry. So if I look over this way, it's going to look at my notes. Um, dialogue. He says, uh, 
as with all other aspects of fiction, the key to writing good dialogue is honesty. And if you are honest about the words coming out of your character's mouths, you'll find that you've let yourself in, uh, in for a fair amount of criticism. So um, he basically goes on to say how he gets letters from angry letters from readers that are accuse him of all sorts of bad things because he's writing his story in the mind of a character, but people are judging him thinking that he thinks that way. (laughs) So he basically saying like, if you have, you know, um, a bigoted character and that's how they speak, you know, like he gets, bad letters but um but i think he's right because uh the dialogue definitely needs to fit the the character um voice i mean that's all about the voice right 100 yeah so yeah i mean if he's a bigoted asshole then he better be talking like a bigoted bigoted asshole asshole. because yeah if he starts changing into i don't know some like peace loving hippie i'm gonna be like no i this is not believable this you know Yeah. <laughs> you have to. You have to. If he's a bigot, you have to write him as a bigot. That's just how it is, you know. And I haven't read Stephen King's books. I've only seen the movies, but he writes about some characters, some pretty seedy characters out there that he gets into maybe For not sure. the well into the mind, but also being able to to describe that character and how horrible they are. And yeah, yeah. he has to go to a pretty dark uh place. <laughs> Oh, I'd imagine. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah, he uses all sorts of nasty, you know, language or whatever. But, but he has you know, to. He definitely kind of killers and rapists and horrible people and big. And he you know. he definitely talks about how you know don't be shy without putting in a, cur- a curse word. If your character is a terrible person, then they're they're gonna they're gonna cuss. They're gonna say yeah. fuck. They're gonna say exactly. shit. All kinds of whatever, you know. Um, he yeah. says, don't shy away from that because that's your character. So yeah. what you know, I, which is interesting, I think too. And I, um, I, I know all writers do this. We all do this when we are writing dialogue for our character. We have to put ourselves in that character. How yeah. are they gonna react to this? Whatever, because because the, cause the uh, dialogue is. Be- typically by between two people, right? Or more, but typically it's between two people. And so you have to see how that your character is going to um, interact with that other person and through their, the character that you've created, (laughs) basically. For sure. So be honest, you guys, with your dialogue. Don't shy away from, um, you know, showing who your, your character is, if they're a bad person, if they're terrible and this being. is Angela's strong point. That dialogue's your strong point for sure. I know you always really say that, but I, I don't know. I you always tell me that. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's good. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know. I just I I I do what you say. Just get into that character, and I think, okay, how would this character react in this um, conversation? And then all all excuse me <laughs> all conversations need to also move the plot like you can't just have dialogue with nothing happening it has to be dialogue yeah. that matters that shows either it's either moving the plot or it's moving the character arc okay so yes. you, you can't have just dialogue thrown in there it's got to do something so yeah. i do kind of think about that too like okay what is this conversation doing where is it going to go how is it going to move the plot forward or how is it going to affect my character so i do think like that um yeah, i don't know sure. 
Yeah. I make so. faces when I write characters. Like okay. If there was a camera on me, like people yeah. would be like, what the, is he having a seizure? Like, is something wrong with him? <laughs> like, because like, if it's a bad character, I'll, I'll furrow the brows. And <laughs> if it's a good, like I seriously. Well, yeah, you got to get face. into that character. You have to yeah. feel that character. I'm like, you effing gonna... bitch. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to fall flat if you don't. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. yeah. No, for sure. I definitely feel like, you know, probably a good, a good time to sort of uh, hone your acting skills. For sure. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, okay. So he says here, everything I've said about dialogue applies to building characters and fiction. The job boils down to two things, paying attention to how real people around you behave and then telling the truth about what you see. So, um, which I thought was great. Um, uh, he goes on to an example. He says, you may notice that your next door neighbor picks his nose when he thinks no one is looking. This is a great detail, but noting it does you no good as a writer unless you're willing to dump it into a story at some point. So again, your dialogue has to do with the story. You can't just have shit out there for no reason i think that was the hardest thing that i learned early on as a writer was that i had so many empty scenes so many empty uh dialogues so many scenes that were like doing <coughs> nothing going yeah. nowhere but i just liked it and i just wrote it and had no idea you know, i just didn't know that was a thing until later but yeah so um yeah your dialogue definitely has to do Gotta... I, I mean, there there's times where you can have dialogue that seems meaningless, but it's really peeling back the layers on each of the character that's in the in the thing. So yes. you can kind of veil that where it looks like, oh, they're just having this stupid conversation, but it reveals character traits about both people involved. You yeah, know, you get to like know them more. Part of the arc too. I mean, it's, but we're... but the words can seem nonsensical at points. Yeah. You know, not nonsensical, but pointless, I guess, would be the better way to put it. Mm -hmm. So, or to so, see the relationship, anyway, to see the relationship yeah. between two people. Yeah, change. So, yeah, how do they talk? How are they, how do they, yeah. you know, uh, and the interiority does that too, because maybe they're saying one thing, but they're thinking another. <laughs> Absolutely. That, yeah. and, I just want to maybe... clarify that that's all that you yeah. can have dialogue that doesn't, like, it doesn't all have to move the plot. Like you can't, but it needs to do something. Like you something. can't just have people yes. be like, "Oh, hi, Bob. Hey, Bob. How was your week? Exactly. Oh, it was great." Like no one gives a shit. No one's gonna give no, a fuck about you that. You need to reveal. <laughs> I mean, something. yeah, yeah. You have to reveal yeah. exactly, and that's what he's saying. Yeah. Like you know, just don't get yeah. bogged down on like you know whatever. Like you got to do something with it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, when I, when I first heard it, when I first read the book, I was like, "Does that mean that like?" they always have to be moving towards the plot, but no, you can actually, I realize this later that you can reveal character. So I just want to clarify that in case anybody else read it like that. You know? Yeah. You always, it's gotta be doing something. It just yes. can't be there to be there. For the hell it's based, it. As what yeah. Stephen King is saying, like, you know, don't just have dialogue that just to have dialogue. It needs to do something, whatever right, that is. Yeah. It's gotta do something that pertains to the story. So I'm the not character, the world, anything. Anything, Plot. all the categories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, has yeah. to do something. Sorry. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, about that. no, no worries. Oh, I think it's great. <laughs> um, so let me see. He, I wanted to talk about. Um, uh, he talks about. Oh, he's talking about Annie Wilkes. Um, 
he's talking about a little bit of showing and not telling uh, and the scene of um, misery where instead of him coming out and telling us that she was depressed, he showed us by her coming into the room. She's like, you know, not hasn't showered. She's got greasy hair. She's not her chipper usual self where if you remember um, Annie Wilkes was always, you know, like kind of this upbeat, silly lady, but yeah. yeah. And then she comes in and she's definitely not herself. She's just a different type of Annie that's coming in and we're like, Whoa, what's happening. And yeah. with, without him telling us, we start to see like, clearly she's dealing with mental health issues, sure. depression. So, yes. which I thought, which I thought was great. And that, I love that part in the movie. Cause I didn't read the book. Sorry. Um, oh, but I love that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I did love that part. Of, I always thought that part was so crazy. Cause I kind of like seeing that was like, oh yeah, she's, I mean, we already knew she was nuts, but now we're like, ah, there's a reason. You know, the movie's brilliant. I'll just put, yeah, the movie's a really good approximation for. A Is movie. it? Yeah. Oh, okay, to the book. Yeah, it's one of the better ones. Okay, cool. Um, let's see. Oh, he talks about um theme. I think. Let me see if I can find it. Um, uh, let me see. Sorry, I I did leave marks. I did leave little tabs so I can find. Because last time I couldn't, I couldn't find all the stuff. So I did do that this time. And so um, oh. he talks about theme here. So he basically says, um, mostly I don't see stuff um, like that until the story is done. Um, once it is, I'm able to kick back, read over what I've written and look for underlying patterns. If I see some, and I almost always do, I can work at bringing them out in a second, more fully realized draft of the story. Um, uh, he gives two examples. Um, there was one, I forgot to, I think I highlighted it, where he talks about um, that most stories don't start with the theme. The theme usually comes out later, which I think we talked about. Oh, here he says... Um, uh, okay, so symbol symbolism doesn't have to be difficult and relentlessly brainy. Did I did we talk about this last week? I think we did, right? Um, no guarantees. I don't know. Let's see. Okay, he says, uh, nor does it have to be consciously crafted as a kind of ornamental Turkish rug upon which the furniture of the story stands. If you can go along with the concept of the story as a pre-existing thing, a fossil in the ground, then symbolism must also be pre-existing, right? Just another bone or set of them in your new discovery. That's if it's there. If it isn't, so what? You, you still got the story itself, don't you? If it is there, and if you notice it, I think you should bring it out. Bring it uh, out as well as you can, polishing it until it shines, and then cutting it the way a jeweler would cut a precious or semi-precious stone. So um, I thought that was uh, interesting. Um, uh, I'm trying to find the quote if I can find it. I thought I had highlighted it, but maybe I didn't. Uh, good fiction always begins with story and progresses to theme. It almost never begins with theme and progresses to the story, which I thought was great. That's the quote I was looking for. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, sometimes I think I was trying to do that with this book. I know I mentioned that last week uh, or last episode that I had, I was trying to think of the theme first when I just needed to just write and discover, um, discover the theme of the book after I write it, which I actually love that piece of advice um, because I just got so lost in the whole theme bullshit that I just was like, I felt like I needed to have it, needed to have it. So I was happy to hear like, you know, don't focus on the theme right away. Just write. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was great. And then one more thing. The last thing he talks about is your ideal reader, um, which you should have beta readers um, or at least a critique partner, someone that's reading your book for Stephen King. It's his wife. She is his reader. And what he says is um, using that your ideal reader or a person who's who's reading the book, like before, you know, before you send it off, um, he's like, what he does is he, when he's writing a scene, he, after, after he's done writing and he goes back for edits, he asks himself how his wife, you know, will she like the scene? Will she tell me it's boring? Because he knows his reader well enough that he can ask those things and see like, oh, she's probably going to tell me I don't need this, whatever. So, which I thought was pretty interesting. I was like, well, He's, you know, pretty lucky to have. I would imagine um, it would be his wife because I can't imagine having like beta readers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although I, would, I would love to sign up for that, but. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'd be all over that. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was interesting um, to have an ideal reader because we definitely, you should have somebody reading your book. We sure. always talk about critiquematch.com because that's where we uh met up but like we don't get paid for that so it's not an ad you guys so anytime i bring up critiquematch.com it's i bring it up because that's how we met so and it's a great site it's free um and you just you trade stories and you can also i think they have a pay you can pay and uh for um an expert critique person whatever i've never done that um i just use other critique partners that i have can and i have a couple others but yeah yeah. So that that's it. That is it. He the last part of the book is about him um just as a writer how he is today but yeah so I thought I will say that I thought he had some really great information out there. I know that I learned a lot. Um I felt definitely more inspired to um, to just sort of, like he said, I love the whole, like discovering the story, like a fossil, yeah. and just let it reveal. It. I love that. Um, yeah. and I'm going to try that because I think it's fantastic. Um, and I'm going to trust that I can do that because I've been a, a reader since I was a kid. So yeah. I know, I know that I can do it, but yeah, I, um, I thought it was a pretty good book. I mean, I know you're a big Stephen yeah. King fan. You've already read it and you love it. But for someone yeah. that's coming in, I am not a Stephen King book fan. Like, I love the movies. I've seen a bunch of them. Um, yeah. But I still feel like I enjoyed his book on writing. And I felt like I definitely gained um, some more um, knowledge on writing. So, yeah. yeah I'd give it, sure. It's a five out of five for me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love that book. It's so helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of cool to get that little bit of backstory, too. I did read that uh, before I got into the whole section on writing. You guys, the, the back, his backstory I thought was really good, too. So I enjoyed yeah. that. Uh, but he's, a, I mean, he, he writes in his voice. 
which is great. I mean, you kind of get a real clear like idea of who he's a person. I'm sure if you watch like interviews with him, you probably can, you know, you see his character or I mean who he is, personality. Um, yeah. so but I felt like it definitely um he definitely comes he comes through his personality, comes through in his book. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, so I hope that you guys listening maybe learn something. Um, I you know pick it up, pick up the book. Um, he does have that writing exercise in there. I don't know if it's still applicable. I want to try to find that out for you guys to see if you guys. Um, but if anything, just do the writing exercise for yourself and see if you can do what Stephen King says. Um, we'll try to find out if we can send it to StephenKing.com. I just um, I didn't dig too deep, but I didn't see anything there. I was mostly trying to find, I was telling Ken, I was trying to find out how to reach his publicist. I cannot find how to reach his publicist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, this guy, I don't know. I mean, I know he's older. He's like in his 70s, right? Or maybe? Late 70s? Yeah. So I would maybe imagine. Maybe even he... the early 80s, maybe. Okay. So I would imagine he probably doesn't do a lot of interviews, you know, and he's a, he's got a new book that came out this week. Um, Holly, I think. Yeah, um, Holly. I think it's part of a series. Is it part of a series? I haven't read the Holly series, so I don't know. Yeah, I believe Holly was part of the. Oh no, I'm going to draw a blank. He did a <laughs> he did a trilogy about ten years ago. Um, oh, okay. And she was one of the side characters in that trilogy. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the cover looks cool. I mean, the cover looks really yeah. cool. But I I realize I don't know if I can pick that up without reading the other stories. So I I didn't pick it up, but um, it looks cool. Yeah, for sure. So, guys, um, again, just want to remind you, if you've liked uh, our, our episode today and you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a review, especially if we have queried your letters. Uh, a review would be fantastic. Give us a star rating. We would appreciate that. And also give us a follow on Spotify or um, uh, I, I, iTunes or, uh, and follow us on um, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> we would appreciate that, guys, because that just kind of boosts our um, podcast up for people who are looking for writing podcasts. So any, any um, you know, star ratings and reviews gives, uh, helps out a lot. So, And then right. next episode, we plan on doing, to sticking with the theme of Stephen King, we are going to uh, dedicate a whole episode on Stephen King. On his, We're going to talk his books, his movies, which ones are our favorite, favorite what we love what we don't love why i haven't read a book let's <laughs> see if ken could get me to read dark tower series there's like 100 books in it just kidding uh <laughs> so we will see you guys um on the i think this birthday is the 21st 21st is it so yeah. and we will have it so that i believe that's a thursday so our episode will air on his birthday all right guys so sure. we'll see you then have a great week i hope you enjoy this jessica thank you for sending your query letter thank you bye guys see you later bye. bye that's it for today's episode friends we hope you learned something new today please follow us on twitter instagram and youtube under two writers walk into a bar podcast our YouTube episodes will upload on Thursdays, the day after the show airs, if you want to watch. And if you want your query letter and first three pages critiqued and read on air by us, send them to our email at twowritersinabar at gmail.com. Put query on air in the subject line. We will read them on a first-come, first-served basis. Remember, we are here to help, inspire, and celebrate. Two Writers Walk Into a Bar podcast is produced by Brava Media Group. 